0: stride and saunter episode 81 i'm kip clark and joining me in the studio today we have another guest peter weir hey what's up and so today a few months after his passing we're going to be remembering david bowie And I'm sure there will be some listeners who would say, why didn't you do this earlier? Or months later seems out of place. I would respond by saying that memorial grievance and any form of tribute need not be done immediately after someone's passing and can be a continuous experience.
1: Well, one of the really interesting things I think about David Bowie's death in particular was that after he died, I was very astounded by the public outcry over it because I had never really thought so many people had been interested in David Bowie to the extent that I saw on social media. And I remember when I first heard about his death, I was talking to our mutual friend, M Green, and it was 2 a.m. And I was scrolling through some website and I saw a post that said, David Bowie has died. And I immediately thought, oh, this is a joke. This obviously isn't true. And it was in fact true. And I was just devastated.
0: (laughs) And understandably so. I think you're right to point out the public and very spread out response and to me it resembles uprooting a massive tree upon whom various other organisms depend and you see when uprooting that tree how deep its roots ran and also how far they had spread and I think it fits with Bowie to describe him in that way. Right. Well, one of the things about David
1: Bowie is that he was such an important cultural icon across so many decades. His career spans his entire life. And while he certainly had some weird stuff that he did in the 90s and the 2000s that was kind of garbage, I think that for the most part, his artistic output was so strong for so long. And he constantly had this aesthetic Symbolism to him that really resonated with every single generation. And one of the things that means a lot to me about David Bowie is that when you look at the image that he puts up for himself for each decade, it becomes sort of this defining image of that decade. For instance, he had his thin white Duke phase. And then he had like his old Japanese style thing that he was working with for a while. Every single album that he put out, he put out a different image of himself that was both the same and different
0: in some ways. I really like that you point that out, and I would also like to concede, as is necessary when having such a conversation, that you know and love Bowie in a way that I never will because, admittedly, I was not a fan, and only after his passing did I take the time to look into what he believed in, how he expressed himself, what he meant to a lot of people. So in this conversation, I hope our listeners remember that I'm not trying to come across as some greater fan or someone who appreciated him in a profound way because if I have, It's only recently after a little bit of research that I've done so. And my question to you in guiding this conversation a little bit is to ask on an individual level what he meant to you and perhaps how you were first introduced to David Bowie, to his work. What resonates with you from your initial encounter? Right. Well, I was
1: first introduced to David Bowie when I was about 10 or so, and I heard this song by him called Space Oddity. And when I was growing up, I was very into space and aliens, never like visiting space, but always sort of being an observer of space. And I think David Bowie's image is always sort of like this alien that has fallen to Earth, an outsider who's sort of landed here doing his own thing. And as a 10-year-old, I listened to the song, I was like, this is so cool, it's about space and floating away, and I thought it was the coolest song for a while, and it was like, when I was listening to David Bowie, I felt this sort of connection to the weirdness that he had because growing up, I've always viewed myself as sort of a weirdo outsider queer. And for someone like David Bowie, who I don't think he was actually bisexual, even though he claimed to, I'm sure he's had sex with a few men, to be honest. But in the case of David Bowie, he portrays this image of the outsider who kind of allowed me to embrace my own weirdness in a way that was fashionable and not disgusting.
0: And you asked me to- to watch the music video for Space Oddity shortly before recording and I've heard lyrics from the song before but again I will admit I had not listened to it in its entirety before and I was struck by the beauty of the melody and the lyrics but also because it's a music video Bowie's appearance to me was something that I would describe as unbridled serenity. I think he really knew himself and came across as someone who did not overly emotionally invest in the opinions of others. Which is not to say that he didn't care, but I don't think, from my impression, that he cared too much. I think he was very much grounded in his identity, which is especially powerful and poetic in a modern age where social media and so many other constructs and frameworks within which we live tell us that the opinions of others and their perceptions of us are some of the most important things. And at the end of the day, I agree with his expressed philosophy that that isn't the case. You have to love and know yourself in order to be. the iconic version of yourself that I think Bowie was. What do you think about that as someone who definitely knew him and his art better than I have? So what you're saying is that you admire his individuality. I do, but also that it was unapologetic. I think there are cynics out there who say, well, we can't all be our individual selves. We have dangerous impulses and scary thoughts. And if we do express that without restraint, that's dangerous and society will collapse. But I don't think he was bothered by others' perceptions of him because I think at his core, he was an understanding person, both of himself and of the abnormalities in others that at the end of the day, I would contend are not abnormalities, they're just perceived that way by a society which believes in normalcy itself.
1: Right, but I wouldn't necessarily peg him as a hero, because I think the fact of the matter is is that he was a rock star. He made a lot of mistakes, he did a lot of drugs. While he was a very important symbol for these people, it wasn't to say that he was necessarily doing it out of his own generosity towards mankind. I think the fact of the matter is is that he was a rock star. He was, to some extent, obsessed with his own image. And I think while he influenced decades to come, I don't think that I would call David Bowie a sensitive person, per se. The rock star image in all the times that he operated were images of being a pop icon. And something that is very important in David Bowie's work is his own iconography. And during each phase of his steps in fashion where he moves his iconography is set in a way that puts him at the center of the universe rather than necessarily at the edge of it. So what I think is important to David Bowie's art is that while he remains at the edges of a sort of an artistic framework... He's constantly putting himself in the middle. The best example I can think of is for years, people thought the earth was in the center of the universe, and then people realized that the earth was just orbiting around the sun. And it's sort of like that, I think, with David Bowie, where I don't think he's necessarily picking up on some sensitive emotional output, but rather he's being such an outrageous outsider that he draws the ire of everyone towards him.
0: And I appreciate that counterpoint. A number of articles I read in trying to better understand who he was noted that he laid the groundwork for those who were to come afterwards in artistic or musical spaces. And I'd like to know if you think that reflects the reality of the world in which we live. Do you think there are certain pop stars currently, such as Lady Gaga and various others like her, who would not have the appeal they do today were it not for what he has done? I think people like Lady Gaga have definitely been influenced
1: by him, at least in terms of Being a sort of style weirdo icon. But that being said, a lot of these pop stars don't have the same longevity that David Bowie had because his career spanned several decades. And I think while he certainly laid the blueprint for this sort of archetype that he's created, he wasn't doing anything that was necessarily unique. It was all building off of past styles. For instance, I didn't show you this video, but there's an earlier video that you can find of Space Oddity on YouTube, which I think was done in the late 60s and it shows David Bowie looking like a beetle and he has the circular glasses and he has kind of a mop and he's wearing a space suit and the production behind the song is very different as well but what you can see is that he didn't come out of nowhere he emerged from what was around him and he wasn't the only rock star there were plenty of rock stars but the fact of the matter is is that he did what he did longer than most other people In a way that I think resonates with people differently.
0: That makes sense. And another aspect that I discern in a number of things that were written about him that I read is his courage or lack of fear of reinvention. I think that he was very willing to alter what he perceived as his image or his musical creation or artistic creations in a broader sense. And to me, that lends to his longevity because many artists, I suspect, are trapped by their own success or caught in a rut that they and their fans mutually Create, and it's interesting to me that you earlier brought up maybe garbage that he created in the '90s. (laughs) And I'm not critiquing your use of the term, but I'd be curious to know, in your opinions of artistry, if you think that those rough patches need exist, because surely someone could not be expected to have success after success. And I'd also like to know if that is perceived as garbage because it stands in contrast. To perhaps earlier masterpieces of his, or if objectively on some level you believe that the art and the music that he created in that period of time simply wasn't as good.
1: In terms of what I was talking about in the '90s, he was trying to emulate a certain style of dance production. From what I heard, I haven't really listened to a lot of it. He's released like 26, 27 albums or something like that. I forgot the exact number, but the fact of the matter is is that he's released so much content to dig through all of it would take days and. What I know of what he did in the 90s, I think he was trying to emulate dance beat production that you can see with breakbeat hardcore and stuff like that, whereas... What makes that stuff less good than his earlier stuff is, first off, his earlier albums, like Low, and just the whole Berlin trilogy in general, and even in his stuff in the 80s, which I like less because it's more disco-influenced, all that stuff breaks new ground, whereas when he reached the 90s and the early 2000s, he was more focused on trying to keep up I think with what was going on around him and in particular his last two albums, he released an album, I believe it was in 2012 or 2013 called the next day. And it has a cover of David Bowie making his famous pose where he has his right hand near his chest and his left hand up near his face. And it covers that up with a box and it just says the next day over it. And a lot of criticism around the album was talking about how that album in particular treads too much on what he's done previously rather than moving forward in a groundbreaking direction. And I think what makes his last album in particular so... Mind blowing is that he created this album knowing that he was going to die. He didn't tell anyone that he was going to die, but he still released this album, anyways. And because of that, this album, while I think it's good, carries an even greater weight knowing that it is based off of the theme of his impending death. And it sort of becomes a chronicle of those last days of his life as a rock star. Not somebody who's been forgotten, but somebody who knows that he's going to be remembered after his passing.
0: Absolutely. And in the context of posthumous creation and legacy, I'd like to hear to what extent you think his creation and influence will live on, because I'm an example of someone who, in the past few weeks of preparation for this, learned quite a bit about him, and my perception is definitely skewed because of the complimentary things that authors and journalists have said about him. But from my vantage point, David Bowie teaches us a lot about self-expression and identity formation, especially in relation to a larger potentially more insensitive culture, and I'd love to know how you think he will continue to resist certain aspects of our world after his death.
1: I don't think that he will actually have a lot of influence, particularly with this last album. I don't think that he has broken any new ground, but I think he's already broken the ground, and it's sort of a reflection on the ground that he's broken, and I think his last album that he released was touches upon the fact that he's already done everything that he can. And it's sort of a reflection on memory itself and how he as a person will be remembered. I don't think that David Bowie is going to have a lot of influence from this point forward. But if you look at construction of the pop star, it's something that has already been developed and canonized within our culture. So that you have people like Kanye, you have people like Britney Spears, which is more interesting because her image was something that was curated for her. She was sort of born into the role of Britney Spears rather than forming a career in the same way that someone like David Bowie might have. But touching upon the theme of memory itself and how rock stars are to be remembered, I think there has sort of been a outcry against the image of the rock star in previous days. There's very interesting film trilogy called The Decline of Western Civilization that analyzes in the 70s, the 80s, and I think the 90s. I haven't seen the third one. It sort of goes through these intense music scenes that develop around these music stars. And in the term of rock stars, they lived very different lives, which is why I wanted to bring up this point of being remembered. I remember the day after David Bowie died, I got online and I saw all these allegations that he'd actually slept with a minor early on in his career. And people were trying to attack his image saying that this is not somebody that we should remember. What we should remember is that he did this horrible thing and it was consensual. I believe the details are still a little sketchy and people don't seem to be looking back at that. But the fact of the matter is is that the image of the rock star was one that defied social codes and those social codes did not maintain themselves up to this
0: current point. I think that's a very good point. And it is essential to remember that he was a rock star because in everything I read about him as reshaping how we consider identity or his articulation about gender and sexual fluidity, with which I agree, I do think his role as a public figure of entertainment is essential in considering all of that, because I'm certainly someone who applauds peculiarity, but it's all about the medium through which you express. And I believe that music resonates with people in ways that other things never will. And so I'd like to ask you in a more theoretical lens, had he not been a musician, a pop star, and a rock star, do you think that his explorations and boundary pushing, which were, of course, built upon what was already there would be taken in the same monumental way? Would he have had that influence were it not for the role that music plays in our society?
1: Music as a form of art Has always been considered one of the highest for the fact that it is able to move us on a level that we can't concretely perceive. And I think that that helps the rock star gain fame in a way that other art forms don't because it is so visceral. It's something that confronts you, and that paired with the image of. David Bowie, who in himself was able to command an audience, did give him a certain level of prestige that you wouldn't see in other forms of art. And this isn't to say that he wasn't a groundbreaking artist, because he really was. But the fact of the matter is, is that His image is built off of people like Elvis Presley or the Beatles or the Monkees. I think maybe the Monkees were later, actually. But the ideal still stands that musicians are able to gather fame in a way that other artists cannot. And I think with that role of having so much fame comes a certain level of responsibility that has to be considered alongside it. When a musician has so much fame, they can abuse it in certain ways so that the elements that they have that are considered weird or quirky are given a certain level of leniency that other artists or just regular people cannot. And the fact of the matter is is that David Bowie's role as a musician did give him a certain level of leniency that allowed him to engage in peculiar behavior, which in some instances was unhealthy. And looking back upon it, we look upon David Bowie with a certain sense of nostalgia, when in fact... Some of his behaviors were negative. They hurt people. He wasn't necessarily this good person, and we lionize him now. But what I think is so powerful about his last album is that it sort of embraces the fact that he was this colorful figure that lived a colorful life.
0: A number of articles I read detailed certain aspects of confusion or knowledge of identity. For example, a Think Progress article by Zach Ford reads this confusion was apparent in his own sexuality which never seemed to fit neatly into any particular label first he was gay then he was bisexual then coming out as bisexual was the quote biggest mistake i ever made end quote because he didn't ever feel that he was quote a real bisexual he admitted to having same-sex sexual interactions quote but frankly it wasn't enjoyable in terms of sex and relationships, his own description of himself as quote promiscuous may have been the most accurate of them all, but it reflected, as in the other aspects of his life and career, defiance of convention. Bowie may have explored a million dead-end streets to find himself, but it was that exploration that defined him, not any particular stop along the way. We can all face the strange a little bit more easily thanks to the changes he made for all of us. In that reading, to me, what stands out is not that he dealt with any confusion, but that society itself, with a need or a proclivity towards definitions and modes of identity confinement, produced a confusion that David Bowie felt. But again, in what I have read of him and learned of him, it sounds as though he knew on some potentially pre-verbal level who he was and what he valued and I appreciate the fact that articles like this describe the journey as being more important than the avenues or the ends that he explored, but I also respect your critical view of him, by which I don't mean to say negative. I think you bring a more holistic view than I could possibly have, and I'd like to know what your response is to quotations like that.
1: There's a really good article that I read on Pitchfork, and that site doesn't have a lot of great articles, but this is one of them that I liked, and it talks about how David Bowie should be lionized as a queer icon. Whether or not he said these things doesn't really matter to me so much as an individual because it is so far in the past, and the way that we view information now is so different. That never became a scandal at the time because views of sexuality were different. And I think in the long run, David Bowie did more for the queer community than taking
0: away from it. And I'm really happy that you bring up changing times and different ways in which we perceive information because I was also led to a June 9th, 2002 interview with Bowie from the New York Times in which he said regarding the internet and upcoming changes he anticipated, I don't even know why I would want to be on a label in a few years because I don't think it's going to work by labels and by distribution systems in the same way. The absolute transformation of everything that we ever thought about music will take place within 10 years and nothing is going to be able to stop it, I see absolutely no point in pretending that it's not going to happen. I'm fully confident that copyright, for instance, will no longer exist in 10 years, and authorship and intellectual property is in for such a bashing. And I particularly enjoyed reading that because, although I'm not thoroughly aware of the legalities of copyright, I do think that as a globe, we're becoming less comfortable with the idea of intellectual property and the lack of informational distribution Sites like Twitter and SoundCloud and Bandcamp and Facebook are all about sharing and creating and remixing, not strictly in a musical sense. So even as a non-musician, I really appreciated that quotation for the prophetic nature of it. I think he was right, perhaps not about the 10-year time span, but related to that idea in particular, do you think that he was onto something?
1: I think that that 10-year time span was actually pretty accurate because there was the rise of things such as Kazaa and Napster. And now there are new ways of downloading music illegally. You can just go type in YouTube to MP3 on Google and get whatever you want, pretty much. <laughs> I think he was absolutely onto something saying that music has changed within the last 10 years because music is no longer the same way that it used to be. And now everything is about remixing in specific ways. All of Previous content of music that has already been made is constantly being recycled in new and different ways alongside new production and new techniques of creating music. I think David Bowie was a visionary. He was constantly looking ahead. And I think that was what made him such a great artist was that he could see what was coming up. And you see this even to the end, where on his last album, he's looking towards death, and he has to look backwards as a result.
0: I think that's a beautiful point to make, and reminded me of one of the last articles that I read in GQ by Kurt Brokaw, who said... Here's one other fact about Bowie, he was a marketing genius, every bit as savvy about the business of building an audience as, say, Taylor Swift or Drake. I know that because I helped him put together his first promotional campaign, and up until the moment he became a big star, I doubted his ability to cross over. He proved me, and a lot of people, wrong. And I really appreciated that quotation, not for what it says about Bowie, but for what it says about Brokaw and others who doubt or misunderstood those like Bowie and not just Bowie himself, because the phrase marketing genius to me negates a certain aspect of self-understanding that, again, resonates with my image of who David Bowie was. And I don't think it's so much about marketing as it is knowing very clearly what you are. And in a business sense, that might be called a brand. But for me, that's also personhood. And I wonder to what extent David Bowie was misunderstood perpetually as being someone or something that couldn't be contained or could not be defined. Did you have a similar reaction to that quotation? In the
1: 1970s, David Bowie and Andy Warhol were very close-knit, and they were involved in social scenes alongside people like the Velvet Underground and other similar weirdos. I think that branding and identity at that point in history coalesced together in a way that they haven't really been separated ever since. I think nowadays we see themes of branding and identity more than ever together as one. It's important for me as well. I constantly think about how I am portraying myself as a human being, When I post something on social media, for instance, I think, how is this going to reflect on how people see me publicly? And now I think the lessons that David Bowie was playing around with in the early 70s and 80s had become more relevant than ever. And that's part of the reason I made David Bowie my profile picture, which is part of the reason why this conversation about
0: David Bowie took place in the first place. Quite right. And with that mention of lessons David Bowie taught us or left us with, what are some things that you would like the audience to consider after listening to this conversation?
1: David Bowie tackled so many themes such as gender fluidity, fashion, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others. The fact of the matter is, I don't think any of these things particularly matter in the long run. What we should gather out of this is that none of these things really matter. And that was what David Bowie was constantly playing with. It wasn't the idea that he was a bisexual or not a bisexual because these things are just labels that we are putting on. And I think David Bowie was more about ripping off the labels and putting his own label on it, painting a Big lightning bolts over it all.
0: Very well said. And I would also encourage people to think about labels themselves and how arbitrary in all sincerity they do appear to be. I'd also like the audience to think about the nature of fame and how it affects us, what we would encourage celebrities to pursue and are encouraged by in turn ourselves, where we wouldn't encourage other public figures or even less famous individuals in our lives. And Peter, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and discussing David Bowie's legacy with me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to finally be on this podcast with you. It was funny listening to one of the earlier podcasts where you were talking about me as a roommate. I wanted to get a rebuttal on that, but I never got the chance, and now I'm doing this instead, so...
0: Well, as I said, it was great to have you. But of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have thoughts on Mr. Bowie's passing and his legacy, Any comments or opinions or feedback on this conversation itself, we really want to hear from you. You can connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you did enjoy this episode, consider subscribing to and reviewing the show, as it helps us a lot and consider sharing it with a friend who you think might get something out of this conversation as well. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.